Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1325, air date September 25th, 2023. Alright, we're live. Let's go. Hi, guys. We're good. Go ahead. Adam. Yes. We're good. You want to go ahead and start, Edo? Uh, yes, I can start. So to, let's see. Okay, three, two, one. It's also recording here. So yes, start. So today we have an exciting guest here. It's Dr. Shiva. He's running as an independent for uh, the elections in the United States. So I'm very happy to have him on the show. Uh, he's also... Uh, the, the creator of email, guys. So it's uh, very excited to have him on board. And also, James, my co host. So, today we're going to discuss a few topics. Uh, one of the topics that I'm very excited to discuss with him, and I, I know he has been doing a phenomenal job, uh, Dr. Shiva. He's fighting against the system. And I want to discuss with him, especially about the new financial system that is emerging right now, Dr. Shiva, and also some hot topics right now. Also, for example, CBDCs, which they are coming very fast. So I'll start by asking you to give my followers or audience of today a brief introduction of your Let me ask you before we go, uh, John, are you getting in and out sound from Ido? Yes, uh, it's, yeah, so it's James. And uh, yes, I'm getting in and out. Uh, you're kind of breaking up, Edo, as you're speaking. Are you on a Bluetooth or something, Edo? Maybe you should... I don't know if you can fix that, but you go in and out. Uh, I think I, I think now better. I think I had the phone too close to the computer. Now I think it's better. Yeah, it's a little better. Yep. Okay, so uh, can you uh, give a, a small introduction of yourself for our audience today? Sure. Uh, so welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Um, let me just give you sort of um, a very high level overview. You know, we live in a very, very interesting time where those in power um, are using very, very interesting techniques, psychological operations techniques to manipulate large numbers of people to retain power. Um, they have access to incredible amounts of data, data that monitors a conversation like this, social media posts, and the computing power, you know, and by the way, many of these algorithms to do this have existed since the 1960s. There's not anything new with this AI stuff. There's a lot of hype about it, but it's existed for a long time. People used to use it to watch communications, the governments of each other government. Right now, it's being used against citizens of our own countries. All right. And with this kind of understanding, they know, particularly in the last three years, with a lot of the work our movement did, Truth, Freedom, Health in 2020, where we exposed election systems, where we exposed Fauci, where we spoke out against lockdowns long before Trump or, or Kennedy or all these fake, uh, quote unquote, fake heroes, right? So they know there's a movement coming and uh, 95 99% of their effort is going to push and manufacture fake heroes to bring people back into the establishment, Okay. And they're doing this with such a desperation right now. So they have characters like Tulsi Gabbard, Fucker Carlson, you know, Joe Rogan. You can go down the list of people. Uh, 
These people are all part of the swarm and they're and they in fact make some of these people be fake martyrs. Fake martyrs, like Russell Brand. The guy's been a douchebag his whole life, okay? Suddenly he's he, people think he's fighting for us. He's not. He's part of them. So they are doing a lot of effort to boost and to make visible people who are not our friends to make them appear as though they're fighting for us. And this dynamic needs to be understood very clearly. Now, once you understand this dynamic, we can focus on what we want to do. And in order to get to what we want to do, you need three key elements. And Ido, um, and um, that's what my life has been about. One is to recognize that you need to have a very clear vision of what is it we want. All right. It can't, it can't be sort of very uh, nebulous. And that clarity is freedom, truth, and health. Freedom, truth, and health. And you can take it into a very individual level. Each one of us wants to be able to move, speak freely, right? As we wish. That's freedom. The other part of it is there's been the complete um, abuse and denigration of the, the ability to get to truth, right? By the media by and also the ac academics. So there's really no scientific method practiced anymore. What it is practiced is scientific consensus, not the scientific method. And any ideas, the idea of the science of, of pursuing truth was you threw out all sorts of crazy ideas, right? Did we lose everyone? Everything's, were you guys still there? Yes, we're here. Okay. We threw out all sorts of crazy ideas. I think the videos become hung, John. Um, we threw out all sorts of crazy ideas. And as a part of throwing those crazy ideas out, uh, we were able to reflect and we were able to see um, what truth was, right? Applying the scientific method. But once you suppress freedom, you can't even get to truth. And without truth and freedom, you can't figure out what's good for your health, your physical health, your economic health, infrastructure, health, et cetera. And without health, we don't have the wherewithal to fight for freedom or truth. So our vision is very clear, truth, freedom, health. And all those three things have to be together, right? So that's one piece. The second piece to really uh, uh, devastate these guys is you need a framework to approach truth, freedom, health, okay? And that framework has to be um, governed by principles that one can actually understand, okay? And you can educate people. In the old times, these principles were philosophical principles, right? They weren't really grounded in engineering systems or natural laws. And that framework is system science. And we teach people, we're teaching millions of people that every day. And then the third thing is we need people to act on this. And being on social media, there's no way to change the world on social media because a swarm owns social media, right? They shadow ban people. They control people's, um, you know, uh, visibility. So they're able to push the creatures that they want and they're able to censor people. And right now on Twitter and all of these, including Twitter spaces, Elon Musk is part of the swarm. You know, when he put me back on, the idea was that I would bow down to him and, he, and I haven't. What We were the guys, my lawsuit in 2020 is the one that exposed that government and big tech are in an unholy alliance. We expose the entire technological infrastructure. And since I got back on Twitter, the goal was that I would pay obeisance to him, and I didn't. What's actually happened is because I've exposed him, my views have gone down from 500,000 views per day down to maybe 10,000 views, right? So we have a wow. new, new type of digital, it's a digital cage.
And people who suck up to Elon Musk, you know, like the conservative quote unquote grifters, they get boosted. So we live in actually censorship 10.0 right now. So it's a much more sophisticated version of censorship. So that's why, you know, when you when we talk about my campaign, we tell people to print out a flyer to educate people what is actually going on. The future is offline. You can't do this online anymore because on online, they monitor you, watch you. They uh, And we can talk more about technology and predictive analytics because I built a lot of this stuff back, back in the 70s and 80s. Okay. Right. So, so we live in a world of much more constricted fellowship. But for me, you know, my journey to everything I've shared with you comes from, you know, 55 years since I was a kid, believe it or not, fighting the system, fighting injustice. This is not theoretical for me. I'm had to fight these guys all my life. Right. And as right. a technologist, I've gone through all the training that from the world-class institutions won all of their awards. But more importantly, I never lost sight of where I came from. Right. And so we live in an extraordinary time. We have a huge opportunity with the infrastructure that I've put in place to educate people on how to fight and more importantly, how to win. So that's the quick, the quick background. Dr. Shiva, uh, I have a question for you. I know uh, one of the things that uh, many of those who are a part of the Crypto for Life family, my name is James, my handle is 68J. Um, and one of the things that Ed Farina had talked about uh, we have a lot of people that know that you, um, the early days you started or invented, created the email. Can you kind of take us a little bit uh, back to that so people get to know who you are and the value of who you are? I mean, this it's really, you're a, you're a legend when it comes to uh, what you've done. And I think it's really important uh, for people to know your background and everything you set up to this point is very refreshing. But I think uh, we, we would definitely like to hear more about that. Yeah. So let me take you back. I know um, most people on this call are probably under the age of 40. OK, but anyone over the age of 40 um, will have a very, very different view of how the world operated. OK, in terms of communications. So if you anyone here, if you close your eyes and in 1978, I was a 14 year old kid. Um, I had come from India in 1970. So it was eight years since I'd come from India I was very, very motivated in science and technology and also fighting the establishment, believe it or not, because I grew up in India, which had a caste system. So I was sort of a weird creature in that sense. I really wanted, I, I was, you know, I had to fight injustice my whole life. This wasn't just, oh, I wake up one day and I want to be anti-establishment, you know? Right, right. But, but I was really into understanding systems. Um, and I, at the age of 14, I had gone to New York University in a special program in computer science where only 40 students in the United States were selected, all right? So I was very fortunate. Um, and it was a very intensive program where I learned seven programming languages, digital circuit th theory with world-class professors. And so- Recording after, stopped. Oops, recording stopped. Um, no, you're good, sir. you're okay. good, sir. So as a part of that, um, I was going to high school, but I got a full-time job at a small medical college in what is uh, in Newark, New Jersey, which is one of the poorest cities in the United States, predominantly African-American. Most white people are afraid to go to Newark uh, in those days and still now because they think they're going to get mugged. OK, right. Right. Um, but my high school changed the rules so I could go to Newark, work full time. I got a job as a 14 year old kid as a full time oh. research fellow. And I was initially hired to so think about here's a medical college with thousands of offices and each office 
had either a doctor or a scientific researcher. And, you know, these offices communicated. They were doing either medical research or seeing patients, okay? So a honeycomb of offices. And in those days, um, how did an office, it's, it's, it's an intra network of communication. How do they communicate? Well, people either had something called a phone, okay? They didn't have cell phones yet. It, and they didn't have satellite phones, but it was a physical copper wired phone. So one office, if they wanted to talk to another office, would pick up the phone, dial, do those on call, right? That was one way, right. the phone. That's right. Um, faxes were just coming, okay, where you can send faxes. But the predominant way people communicated in this infrastructure was the inter-office mail, paper-based mail system, inter-office okay. mail system, okay? What was the inter-office mail system? The inner office mail system was, first of all, a system, okay? What is a system? A system has many, many different parts. One part of the system was a secretary, okay? And it's a system of systems. So every office had a secretary, always a woman. In those days, women could only have three jobs, secretary, nurse, teacher, or a mom, Okay. And right. women typically became secretaries. They should go to secretarial school to learn typing, right? To take dictation from their boss. They would write these things called memos. So in every office was always a secretary and she had a physical desk, desktop. On that right. desk were various subsystems, something called an inbox, an outbox, something called a drafts folder. These are physical metal or made of wood. On her desk was paper clips. On her desk was something called a typewriter. She had paper on her desk. I'm describing this just to give you people under the age of 40 may have not ever used any of this. <laughs> under the desk was a garbage can, trash can. Behind her desk were these actual big metal file folders. Okay. Yeah. Folders, inbox, outbox, clips, paper, carbon paper. Okay. And in these offices were these pneumatic tubes. And I'll get to that. So the doctor typically, how did one office communicate with another office? The doctor would go to the secretary. He would say, Julie, and I'd see this, take a dictation. And he would say, dear doctor, blah, 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 right? This is Dr. Mm -hmm. Michelson. I wish to hire Ito, right? To be a programmer, right? Um, right. Attached is Ito's resume. And he would sometimes do a carbon, and he would say CC. Carbon copy would mean that this memo, you literally paste a carbon paper and type another memo. So you get two copies of it, okay? Right. And so a very complex system, and she would take the dictation, type it up, put it in the drafts folder. Doctor would come next day, redline it. She would type it up again. He would look, put it in the drafts folder, and he says, great, this is ready. He would then say it's ready to go out and then it would go into the outbox. Before it went to the outbox, it went into an envelope with a string. And if there were five carbon copies, she'd have to type that letter how many times? Five times. Okay. Right. Xerox machines still hadn't come in. It was expensive. That's right. All right. Yep. And each of those letters would go into these envelopes and they would go into these pneumatic tubes. They may want to register the mail, you know, right. re return receipt. So a registered mail will get a reply back. Do you see how complex a system is? Very. Yeah, All right. Very. It's a system. All right. So now in those old, in those days, you also had big mainframe computers. 
massive mainframe computers, mini computers. You didn't have, you know, you didn't have the iPhone, you didn't have PCs, mini computers were coming. And right. I was doing work on those mini computers, analyzing sleep data of babies to predict when they would die. Okay. And I was, that was AI in those days. And because I could right. program, uh, the heads of one of the labs said, Hey, would you like to convert this inter-office mail system to the electronic version? Keyword is system. Now in those old big mainframes, you could send simple, you know, text messages. Okay. And, but you had to know all this language from one computer to another computer. All right. Right. All right. Now I was asked to convert this entire system to the electronic version for who, who were my customers, a military? No, my customers were the secretaries who were unwilling to move from the typewriter to the keyboard unless every one of those hundred and people can go to inventor of and you can see all the, so I almost like an anthropologist, had to write down all those features. It's about a hundred features. Wow. wow. Inbox, outbox, folders, address book, carbon copy, attachments. You go look at an inbox, right? Your email That's system. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. no one had done this before. Wow. And people thought it was impossible to do this, as I'll come to later. Okay. So, and by the way, the doctors were like, why are you doing this? This is stupid. You know, we just go to our secretaries and we dictate, you're going to make us all be secretaries. Okay. Anyway. I went and as a 14 year old kid, wrote 50,000 lines of code in a very hard to program language called Fortran, which is created for scientific computing. Captured right. every one of these features and wrote all the code, captured every system. So I created the electronic version of the inner office mail system, okay? And I had to write the manual. I had to do the training for the thousands of people in that medical college. So I was a customer service guy. I was a software engineer. I was a documentation person. I was a QA person. Okay. Wow. And wow. when we did this, Hewlett Packard came in, looked at our stuff. We weren't into like Steve Jobs hiding Recording our stuff. Recording in progress. We weren't like Steve Jobs hiding our stuff. Okay. We shared it with right. everyone. And wow. so um, I won one of the Westinghouse Science Awards while I was in high school, which, we, which used to be called the Baby Nobel Prizes for this. All right. Wow. One of the 300 people. It was in the local newspaper. But remember, my parents weren't, you know, my parents were hardworking people. We, we weren't Bill Gates's parents. We didn't promote this. But people knew. Hewlett Packard knew. IBM knew. We, we had done this. Um, and, you know, it was known. Um, and we shared it openly. We didn't have non-disclosure agreements, all that stuff. Okay. Well, so I think, I think one of one of the things not to cut you off, that's impressive uh, on my end, because I, I do date back where I, I know what you're talking about at 52. Uh, so I know exactly uh, those times. And it's amazing. Um, and I feel quite honored, uh, as I'm sure uh, all those who are watching feels honored, because I, I, honestly, I never knew who created the email. So that's uh, it's a privilege and an honor to have you on here. I do know that uh, Edo, uh, can you hear OK, Edo? And I don't mean to cut you off there, uh, Dr. Shiva. Uh, can you yeah, hear okay? guys, can can yeah. you actually tell me that you can hear me okay? I got Yes, yeah, we can hear you great. I know it's, it's, I, I yeah. it's coming through much clearer. I, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. through my computer. I don't know what was that noise. I never had that before. So yeah, now no I got a secondary phone, and I think now you guys can hear me loud and clear. Yes, loud and clear. What I would probably tell you to do, Edo, is go to your uh, your Twitter space and just unmute yourself because that way we can hear when you're speaking on there. That's what I had to do as well. Uh, Dr. Shiva, the next question I would have, um, and I want to kind of switch directions if we can. 
Uh, obviously, you see a lot of stuff that's going on right now with the evolution of money and what's taking place uh, uh, throughout the world with uh, digital assets, uh, Bitcoin being one of the most favorable and, and many others as well. What is your thoughts and feelings towards uh, the cryptocurrency industry and just uh, what, you know, what's taking place right now around, around the world? Yeah, so let me let me answer that question the following way, okay? Okay. And sort of transition from this email thing. Just to, just to finish up the email piece, you know. So I wrote all the code, yes, uh, went to MIT. Um, when I, I arrived at MIT, you have to understand there was no ways to patent software. After I came to MIT, the president of MIT had heard about my invention. He said, you know, you should file uh, per, pursuant to the Copyright Act of 1980. You could use copyright law to protect it, and which I did on August 30th, 1980. 82, I was issued the first U.S. copyright officially recognizing me as the inventor of email, period. The fascinating thing is I never spoke oh. about this. You know, it was only 33 years later because I was really interested in medicine. When my stuff went into the Smithsonian, um, it perturbed certain people because people had written a false history of email. We had to fight that. We won a major lawsuit. But the reality is email was invented by 14-year-old you know, kid in Newark, New Jersey. And by the way, TV well, look, TV was created well, by a 14 year old boy. And how very, long did it go from 14 years old to you actually actually, uh, actually being able to step up and say, hey, I did this? How, how long was that time frame? 33 years, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because, you know, when you're doing stuff wow. because you love doing it, you're not interested in credit, okay? That's right. And yeah. when I had to, you know, when, it's when, when Time Magazine in 19, uh, sorry, 2011, that when my mom was dying, she had left a beautiful suitcase with all the artifacts. They wrote an article, you can find it called The Man Who Invented Email. Then it went into the Smithsonian and it created a, an unfortunate controversy because during those 33 years I wasn't promoting it, the military industrial academic complex was promoting Raytheon, a defense company had done it when they hadn't. They had created simple oh, wow. text messaging at best. So it was a very interesting set of lawsuits. I won, right? Um, it's, it's a long story, but the bottom line is email was not invented by the military. It was invented by for a civilian application. And that in and of itself is a very important truth because it shows uh, great innovations occur not from war, but from solving problems. And that's what, it, that's and right. so the military wants you to brainwash you to think that, oh, you go to MIT or Harvard and then you're a dropout and then you're anointed as an inventor. You say, but many, many smart people exist throughout the world. Philo Farnsworth, the 14-year-old kid, is the one who created TV, you know? Before, and so well, anyway, so- Yeah, the little, the little humor in there, I think that would have been very interesting to see you if they had it back in your day at 14 years old at, on Shark Tank uh, with that idea. Yeah, the thing is the, the numbskulls <laughs> in Congress didn't know what software was. They thought it was you were writing something. Yeah. It only right. was 1994, the Federal Court of Appeals allowed you to see software as a digital machine and get a patent for it. You see? That makes sense. So yeah, this is a problem sense. when you have idiots in Congress who know nothing about technology, nothing about the directionality where the world is going. They're just bought and paid for. Very different than the founders who started the United States. They actually created things. They were engineers, scientists, surveyors. You know, go look at these people. So we have a bunch of fucking idiots who are in who run their country. So they have no right. idea of the directionality. So let's talk about, so my, the reason I wanted to talk about this is, and this may seem counterintuitive talking to a technologist, the real fundamental solutions are not going to come from technology when it comes to truth, freedom, and health. Okay. It's going to come from the real technology of us building a movement. 
So let me transition from email to go to Bitcoin, you know, and digital currency. So if you okay. look in 1997, it's a very important year. And I was running my second venture into email was, you know, I created email, but in 1993, I was in my PhD program at MIT. Um, and I was creating technologies to automatically analyze stuff and categorize them, what you would call AI, pattern recognition. Right. And I had created a interesting platform that could handle all different kinds of patterns, signal patterns, voice patterns, a document. And I ended up winning a White House contest to automatically analyze email and route it. Between 1978 to 1993, email was really used in inter-organizations, right? Most people didn't have an email account. But after 1993 and the World Wide Web came, email became a consumer application. So big organizations like the White House, companies started getting lots of email. And now email becomes a problem because you can't hire enough people to read and respond. So I created the first technology platform, which, by the way, I got three U.S. patents on, to read the email, analyze, and route it, okay? And I created about a quarter of a billion dollar company to do that. But in 1997, I noticed email volume was, I mean, sorry, you know, physical letter volume was going down, less people were sending physical letters and email volume. That was the point when email volume overtook snail mail volume. I was about 29, 30 years old, and I was running a very, very good company because we had all the biggest companies in the world who would use our technology right. for routing and analyzing email and, and using it for, for in customer service. But when I saw that, all these, remember all these free email companies came out, Hotmail, Yahoo, Gmail. Yeah, big time. And I was very concerned. So I went to the postal service and I said, look, you guys were brought into being in 1787 to protect the first amendment. So any individual could send a letter to somebody else and it would be protected by the Postal Service's police force and no one could open up a letter. A lot of people don't know this, the Postal Service is a police force. And Franklin and the founders had created the Postal Service to really be the infrastructure to make sure every citizen could send a letter to everyone else at a very low price. Free speech was supposed to be free reach, not this fucking scumbag Elon Musk's redefinition, free speech doesn't equal free speech, free reach, which is what the ADL definition is. Totally bullshit, okay? It's a violation of the First Amendment. But the the founders had created the Postal Service so all citizens could send letters. In fact, up until 1969, 70 to 80% of the letters were political mail. Left-wing, right-wing, Nazis, you know, communists. We're all sending letters, newsletters, right? All right. But in 1997, email volume overtakes postal mail volume. And I'm very concerned. Why? Because that email platforms were no longer owned by us, the public, where if someone opened your letter, you get a 22-year sentence in prison. They were owned by private companies. And I went to the Postal Service. I said, look, you guys must create a email service for the public because it would be protected by the laws of Congress, right? Right. That makes sense. Yes. And they shooed me away. Oh, you're just a 29-year-old kid. Um, We're bigger than Walmart. Go back to what the fuck you're doing and leave us alone. We're not in the email business. They forgot they're in the communications right. business. So that was, that was 1997. 14 years later, in 2011, the Postal Service is going out of business. And I give a scathing uh, uh, interview in Fast Company and Time. And I said, these guys are morons. They could be making billions of dollars. Postal Service is literally going out of business. 
And I would, I gave them my idea. I said, look, Americans are probably paid 25 bucks a year for a email service that's protected by the law, by the constitution, right? Now, the reason I bring this up is everyday people say, oh, we should use encryption. Let's use proton mail. Let's use this. Here's the bottom line. Every time you come up with one encryption technology, Mossad in Israel is going to come up with something better. Okay. They're going to use quantum computing. Technology never solves this. It has to be. So that's why the founders created this framework that you had laws that if someone opens your letter, you're going to go to 22 cents prison. Right now, anyone on Google opens our letters, it's their emails. It's not your email. They own it. No one reads the terms of service. When you get when you get your free email, you gave up your freedom. So right. I know. So now you. So keep that concept. Now let's talk about monetary policy. All right. The dollar currency was one time directly connected to something physical. Right. So you right. couldn't play with it. Then we let's say gold. Right. And then the petrodollar comes. Um, and we get off the gold standard, we go to the petrodollar, right? And, um, but now the dollar is literally disconnected. The only reason the dollar gets to be the reserve currency is because I have more fucking nuclear weapons than you do, okay? And and you have people like uh, this woman, Stephanie Kate Layton, whoever her name is, a professor out of Wharton. She's saying, print as much money as you want. That's what she's advising the government. Because as long as you're the reserve currency, you can do whatever you want as long as you control inflation. So the elite's model is we will become, which means we, meaning U.S. imperialism, will be the 800-pound gorilla. We will have more weapons and we will tell others what to do and we can print as much money. So that was called quantitative easing, which is what Obama did when the banks failed in 2008. He came and saved them, printed $8 trillion in two years. Trump you know, who hates the working class, okay, printed another $8 trillion in one term. So now we have $33 trillion in debt, 128% more than GDP, okay? And so now people thinking Bitcoin's going to solve that, okay? Here's the problem, all right? The When you look at the chain of custody of all these things to create and mine, it's still 50, 70% of it is still centralized, right? So, and you have quantum computing coming, when quantum computing comes, if people understand the basis of how a coin is produced, you're doing prime factorization, all right? So it takes significant amount of energy to do that. Nearly 50 to 60% of Bitcoin mining is very centralized. Even to do the management of the blockchains, you still need quite a bit of computing. So in theory, just like in theory, right, um, when the internet came, and all these things came, we should have had more freedom. But what you notice throughout the history of humankind is whenever new technologies come, there's always a lot of excitement. The printing press, great. I'm going to be able to print whatever I want. Well, if you write a book today and I write a book, you go get a publisher, you connect with HarperCollins, your book gets out there. My book has to be self-published, right? I may reach a thousand right. people, you get to reach a billion people. You follow? Why? Yes. Because even though the printing press is an amazing technology, uh, it got consolidated into four major publishing companies. They control who becomes, who gets their book out, who gets a bestseller and who doesn't. When the internet came, you know, in 1993, um, 
John, you may want to get that book, Arts on the Internet. 1993, I wrote a book because I also do a lot of art. I have a degree in architecture and design. And a lot of my friends are artists and musicians. And I said, wow, the Internet's going to be great. Uh, and I, this is 1993. I wrote a book called Arts on the Internet. It said The Guide to the Revolution. Glenn okay. Urban, who is a, a sculptor in the Dean of the Sloan School. Um, and I said, wow, the Internet's going to help my musician friends get rid of the agents, the Harvey Weinsteins, right, and go direct. Everyone would build their own websites. In fact, we put we built the first portal for artists all over the world. Well, guess what happened? Everyone stopped wanting to build their own little websites. People created Facebook, MySpace. Remember these sites? And people yes. consolidated. So now four major people control pretty much art. You see what I'm saying? So That's we right. tend to think that technology is going to solve the problem. But because the powers that be own the physical infrastructure, who owns the wiring between all our AT&T, Verizon, Vodafone, right? Think about who owns the physical infrastructure. It's still a few set of people. So ultimately, right. what you come down to the conclusion, even as a technologist, I could be a technocrat and preach, we're going to create these amazing cities. We're going to use all this. But ultimately, the physical infrastructure is owned by a few. And until we recognize that and we recognize the real technology is a bottoms up movement, mobilizing people to understand this concept, why the only way the world has changed is when the peasants rose up in mass and we seized the means of production. That's ultimately the way things are going to change. Techn I, like where you, I like where you're going with this. And, yeah. and I want to I want to give Edo Farina an opportunity to unmute his uh, Twitter space. And uh, he had a few questions. But Dr. Sheba, I have a lot of people who are very excited about having you on uh, some of the comments that I have here. You're you're a man uh, that was before his time, which sometimes when you're before your time and in, in the innovation that you created, sometimes you're misunderstood. And I'm so happy that you're here to really explain. Uh, what you've done and, and what you stand for is, is very refreshing. Edo, if you don't mind, can you go over, uh, because I know you were having some uh, some technical difficulties, can you go over some of the questions that you had specifically for Dr. Shiva? And because uh, I know there's some people sitting here today that want to definitely hear uh, those questions being answered. Yeah, sure. I would love to ask some questions. Now, please let me know that you can hear me loud and clear. Yeah, perfect. You are perfectly loud. Yes, sir. Perfect. Oh, finally. Sorry, I was getting nervous with this too, and now since that I finally fixed the problem. So I would like just to share a very briefing experience of mine that I think resonates a lot with what Dr. Shiva said before. So first of all, I am from Italy. And uh, when the pandemic came out, uh, that was for me like the ultimate, uh, let's say, time that I decided I want to make something to change this world. So I joined a movement in Italy, which was called Movimento Ripresa Italia, and we were actually supposed to run for the European Parliament. Actually, I don't talk a lot about this, but I'm just sharing this story for the first time. And I started to create a lot of content, especially on Facebook and on Twitter. And I was sharing uh, quite a lot of controversial uh, contents, especially about vaccination. And there has been a lot of things going on, you guys uh, for sure remember. And I was uh, uh, criticizing a lot of the government measures that were making no sense at all. Some things that you think it would only happen in the movies and still people would uh, accompli or comply to these uh, rules. So one thing that happened to me is that one day I wake up and first of all, my Twitter account, look at, I was not so famous, 
I mean, I was actually starting to grow my audience. I was starting to get a couple of millions of visualizations on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. I, I didn't have nothing near the presence I have today. And one day I wake up and my Facebook account was gone. It disappeared completely out of nowhere. And I got a suspension uh, on Twitter, which now is called X, but back on the time it was called Twitter. And I was suspended for six months out of Twitter. So they basically find a way to cancel us from any, from everywhere. And it also came for me with quite a lot of financial damage because you guys know that I run my business on my Twitter. So what I would like to ask Dr. Shiva, and well, there's a lot of sensitive content that especially, especially on YouTube or TikTok, they will just uh, remove your account. They will censor you. They will actually demonetize, uh, demonetize uh, yeah. Exactly, the monetization on your account. So I would like to ask Dr. Shiva, how does he think we can actually really say what we want to say? Which platform? I mean, what is the way for going forward? Because uh, on this moment, there is a lot of things I would like to share, especially on YouTube, for example. But I know that there is a 90% sure uh, uh, chance that if I will say these things, uh, they will actually remove my YouTube channel. That has happened to you as well, James. I think they block your accounts too. So I would like to hear some insights from Dr. Shiva himself on this. Yeah, they banned me twice. They banned me twice. So so I definitely want to hear now, this too. Uh, Edo, <laughs> when, when was that year that you started speaking about vaccines? And, and then, or, or the, when was that? What year was that? Um, well, that was around uh, 2019 and 2020. Yep. I started to follow a gentleman uh, which is called, and let's re remember his name now. Well, he wrote a book about uh, the whole vaccination stuff. Right. And he is that, that's okay, the, but it was tw 2019, 2020. So the reason why yeah, that, yeah. that, that time, uh, well, I was one of the few individuals uh, that I was coming out on the squares because back on the time, I was living in Portugal, even yep. though I was a candidate, I was supposed to be a candidate for Italy because I am from Italy. And I was giving speeches in the squares and there was kind of thousands of the, the people who were against the system. They were actually <laughs> going for the squares and speaking out there. So uh, we were trying to get together and I, I started to become very popular. You know? uh -huh. uh, but by the time I started to, to really gain traction and this was becoming something real, they just cancel my account. I never could have access to my Facebook account anymore. The, uh, what has actually triggered, uh, <coughs> I, I remember there was a nurse, and you guys might remember she was called Tiffany Dover, and this nurse has took the vaccine, and uh, she has actually fainted on a live interview, and then she has quite disappeared for uh, somehow one year or more. And I started to raise a lot of concerns. I started to become very popular in many topics about vaccination. I was being controversial. I was trying to explain to people that the way to build an immune system is to actually interacting with other people. You know, when we touch people, we uh, have a healthy exchange of bacteria. You know, I also studied about the blue zones where people live up to 100 years. And uh, I live in Greece right now. So there is a place which is called Ikaria. And if you go to Ikaria, there's people who are actually 110 years old, 105 years old. We are supposed to be healthy human beings. We are not supposed to be 70 years old and be on a wheelchair because we cannot walk anymore. So definitely I have seen that in Ikaria, for example, 
One of the keys is that they have a lot of social interactions where people constantly go out on the streets, they interact with each other. And I have seen all of that and I have shared this experience uh, on uh, all of my social media. And then suddenly one day I wake up and my Facebook account was blocked out of nowhere. Yeah, and that it was disappeared. I never gained access back to my Facebook. There is not one single information that I post there that I still have it because they just banished my account out. And yeah. uh, Twitter has happened the same thing. At least I got my Twitter back, which now is called X. And I do agree with you. The, the algorithm will punish you if you talk about certain topics. So it's a very sensitive topic. That's why I ask you what you think is the solution for this. Yeah, so let's identify the problem first, okay? So again, thanks. I appreciate your, because I want to understand the timeline. So in 2019, so look, um, my entire life has been understanding systems, right? So in 2019, you know, from the pure standpoint in my PhD, uh, in 20, 2007 was on the immune system. So in 2019, we were doing massive demonstrations all over the country here. Um, and I was doing a lot of education against the entire concept of one size fits all medicine. Okay. Specifically, I wanted to educate people beyond vax and anti-vax, educating people. Ultimately, the goal was boosting your immune system. And there's many things that's, and you, by the way, your immune system is directly coincident with your aging system. If you want to live long, have a good immune system, all right? Have a resilient immune system. One of the ways that you boost your immune system is community. Uh, by the way, you know, I was just in Sardinia for about six weeks, invited there to go to Oleostra, right? Which is the number one region in Sardinia where people have the oldest per, per capita of lifespan and then Ikaria and then uh, Okinawa, right? So the bottom line is people live long. Number one reason is not food. Not, I mean, those things are important, but community. Loneliness can kill you. When you're lonely, yeah. your body will actually upregulate um, inflammatory markers in your body and downregulate antivirals. So the bottom line is there are many, many policies that can affect your biology. The lockdowns destroyed people's biology, created oxidative stress. Booby fucking Kennedy who is not for medical freedom, in 2020, in March of 2020, that fucker promoted lockdowns. And now he's acting as though he's, he's against them. He promoted them, was all for it, said it would save uh, people, would stop the spread, and it would save climate change. So we have to understand in 2019, people, very few people like myself and Yuido were speaking out against it. And in 2020, so if you go look at 2020, March of 2020, to me, is a litmus test of who is a man and who's a boy or who's a woman and who's a girl. Those people who spoke up early, told the truth, were the real warriors. Trump was promoting all this stuff. He was keeping Fauci. And the reason it's important to understand that is because in March of 2020, I was running for United States Senate in Massachusetts. And it was our campaign which first exposed Fauci. We ran the Fire Fauci campaign. We collected nearly 120,000 signatures gave them to Trump, told them to fire him. And I gave him a, a letter which was delivered to him by hand uh, through his former ex-wife, Mar Marla Maples, March 23rd of 2020, said, look, don't do a lockdown, you know, boost people's immunity. We gave him a protocol. But not only did he not fire Fauci, he was the biggest swamp creature. 
but he kept him. And 12 hours before Trump left office, he gave Fauci a commendation award for Operation Warp Speed. And you have all these foolish idiots running around thinking Trump is some fighter for them. He's part of the swarm. Now, in 2020, when I ran for, so one thing was we were way ahead of the curve exposing Fauci, talking about the immune system, educating people. We saved millions of people's lives by telling them the protocol of vitamin D, quercetin, zinc. And I still get hundreds of emails, people thanking me. On the other parallel path, as I was running for United States Senate, our election was stolen here in Massachusetts in September of 2020. We had 3,000 volunteers, 25,000 lawn signs. We won that primary. And the Republicans stole the election, not the Democrats or Republicans. For me, I was running as a Republican. And out of that event, I discovered that the fact that the election systems are rigged at the machine level, they destroy ballot images, images of the ballots, which are supposed to be preserved for 22 months. And it was my work that showed that the mail-in ballot signature verification process is completely flawed. When I started tweeting about that in September of 2020, I've never been thrown off Twitter. I was thrown off in the middle of my U.S. Senate campaign. So I'm a political candidate. And who threw me off was a government contacted Twitter because I was exposing the government, which is the biggest violation of, of speech, the First Amendment. And no lawyer wanted to defend me. I had to do it on my own. And in federal court, we had a major victory. Our lawsuit in 2020, October of 2020, discovered the fact that the government, all governments have created a backdoor portal into Twitter where government tells social media companies what to do. This is in 2020. And we informed Tucker Carlson, Glenn Greenwald, and all these fuckers who are part of the intelligence agency didn't do anything. They suppressed our lawsuit. But a half a billion people came to know about it because I went on, uh, you know, we, we did video after video after video. But meanwhile, these so-called people who claim they're fighting against freedom intentionally concealed that lawsuit. So our lawsuit is the one who discovered this backdoor portal. So intimately, I know about it because in federal court, we won that. And then we sued not only to get back on Twitter, but I sued those government officials and the judge initially gave me a victory, but then he wanted me to drop all the claims against the government. And if people go to winbackfreedom.com, you'll see everything we documented. We discovered the entire infrastructure in detail. It's a PhD thesis, how the government silences speech. In 2020, Tucker Carlson concealed it. Glenn Greenwald concealed it. All of these people sat on it, sat on it. All the Twitter files was all bullshit. Because all those guys come out of the intelligence agency. You see, they plagiarized our lawsuit and just told people a little bit of it. It's a CIA technique called a limited hangout. And all these stupid conservatives, oh, thank you, Elon Musk, bowing down to him when Elon Musk has never created anything in his whole life. Elon Musk was brought in to make the conservatives feel like he was their fighter for free speech. Meanwhile, we now have censorship 10.0. So in October... When I was put back on Twitter, I did not thank Elon Musk because I know he's a scumbag. I said, hey, Elon, why don't you make me your CEO? That got 20 million views. And after that, I started hammering Elon Musk. Are you going to remove the backdoor portal to Twitter? My views went from 500,000 views per day down to 10,000 views. And I'm a U.S. 
presidential candidate. Meanwhile, anyone else who sucked him off and said, oh, thank you, Elon, like Booby fucking Kennedy, Tucker Carlson, they get promoted because they're all part right. of the swarm. So the bottom line is the government tells social media companies what to do. My lawsuit exposed that. It was concealed. There's only one solution to this, and I'll tell you the heart of the problem. In England in 2017 is when, by the way, the British do not believe in the First Amendment. They hated America got the First Amendment. What does the First Amendment say? It says government or Congress specifically shall pass no laws that abridge freedom of speech. That's 1791, December 1791, one of the most historic opportunities for humanity. So 3% of the world population gets to speak and critique their government. No one else has that. None of the Commonwealth countries have that right still to this date. But on November 16th, 2018, a scumbag called Donald Trump, who I initially supported and I realized that what he was about, Donald Trump is the one who misled all the white working class. He's the one who signed the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency Act into law, which destroys the First Amendment. Every member of the House of Representatives voted unanimously. Every member of the Senate, unanimous consent. That's pure fascism. If Hillary Clinton had done that, there would have been a revolution in the United States. So Trump was also a selection. He was a white guy put in after Obama, the black guy, to manipulate the white working class to think he was fighting something, but he was executing everything the trillionaires wanted. He made sure Fauci wasn't fired. He made sure Pfizer made, you know, double their, you know, went from 40 billion to 100 billion. He made sure his son-in-law got $2 billion. He is a real fucker. And all these people thinking he's their savior, he's an actor. And I was in the heat of all this. So the bottom line is SISA must be repealed overnight, okay? It destroys the First Amendment. We don't have, there's no more freedom of speech on social media. And Musk, where Elon Musk begins and government ends, nobody knows, all right? So it's all a theater that's being played out. So the future, as I say, you know, for our campaign, we have this flyer which describes our campaign. And if you look at this flyer, Ido, uh, you'll find out that for the last 70 years, the life expectancy of the United States public is going down. And it's not the vaccines. It's many things have been done by the Republicans and Democrats, liberals and conservatives, left and right, to your point, to destroy families, to destroy community, because the number one reason people live long is community. If you have a child in the United States now, your child will have a shorter lifespan than you. And the lockdowns accentuated that. So we live in a very important time that we need to recognize that we have the not so obvious establishment, the Trumps, the Russell Brands, the Joe Rogans, the Fucker Carlsons, the Booby fucking Kennedys, who are all part of this. Tulsi Gabbard, they're being created to make people think everything is okay, vote for them. They're all part of it. And our movement, my running for office, and guys like you were the only ones exposing that. So people need to let go of all this bullshit to think all these people are fighting for us. They're not one of us. They didn't come from below. I have and many of you have, have come from below. These people are part of the establishment. They know people are starting to wake up and they want to peel away. So they're creating these fake heroes. But when it comes to censorship, it comes back to the th same thing. Over the next, I believe the next 24 months maximum, they want to have centralized digital currencies. It's three-part digital cage. They want to make sure 
every carbon tax is tracked. And the third piece of it is your iPhone is basically your cage and government controls social media. So you have the full tracking of your spending, carbon tax, and your conversations. And the only way out of this is a systems overhaul. The systems overhaul can only come if we build a bottoms up movement. And we as people need to seize the means of production of these companies. You know, the United States Postal Service is a fascinating organization. It is not government. It's not, it's, it's sort of a quasi organization. It's like the roads and the streets. Certain things must be owned by us, the people. Sardinia, you may know, Ido. Sardinia, which is the island off of Italy, it's fascinating. 90% of the land is owned by the people, true communal property. And in 2007, the government, the Italian government tried to seize control and try to make it national parks. People rose up. Certain things must be owned by we, the people. Infrastructure, Google, Amazon. I'm sorry, we need to have a workers' bottoms-up movement, not the bullshit quote-unquote, capital C communism. I'm talking about a true bottoms-up revolutionary movement because these infrastructures were created by working people. We need to own them. It's the only way out I of know this. We have, yeah, I know we have more. Uh, uh, there's a couple more questions that we have. I know as a father of six, I've got five children that are between the age of 20 and 29. And one of the things that were very heart-wrenching for me uh, during the vaccine, me and my wife didn't take part in that. We didn't believe in that. Um, and, um, for them to be forced, uh, you, you won't be able to finish college. You won't be able to finish nursing school. You'll get kicked out. There's nothing you can do. And, and, and it was very scary for us. Um, my wife and I, as we saw family members who were healthy in their thirties now have heart problems, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but you know, that's something as a parent that was very difficult for me knowing that my kids felt a certain way yet they felt they, they were forced to do, uh, you know, to do what we were against because, uh, they were threatened that they wouldn't be able to finish their nursing school or, the, or finish with their degrees and things like that. So so I, I definitely appreciate a lot, a lot of what you're saying, Dr. Shiba. And as we were talking, I was looking through your site uh, and I see what you stand for. And I'm definitely going to do my due diligence to be a better student of, of uh, your research and, and uh, vision. So, Edo, I know there's a couple more uh, questions that you have in regards to Bitcoin or crypto, should I say. Uh, one of the things that I want to ask, uh, Edo, and I know me and you talked about this, Dr. Shiba, is I'm sure you keep up with um, the SEC and what's going on uh, with uh, you know the Securities Exchange Commission and really uh, the thing that they call Operation Choke Point 2.0, which is really the attack or war against crypto, if you will, and how they're pushing a lot of innovation. And the reason that I think that would be something that you would answer is because you're a 14-year-old innovator, right? And to see these American companies, which you're running uh, for president of, of this great United States of America, uh, a lot of our American companies are running uh, uh, you know to other countries because of what's going on with the SEC. So what is your thought process behind regulatory by enforcement and uh, really crippling a lot of these uh, companies that are trying to, um, you know, do, you know, do good for the American people and, and blockchain and so forth. I just, uh, yeah. I so I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. You're asking a very good question. Look, whenever, and you should write this down, write this word down called safety. Okay. Whenever you see someone say safety, I want to protect people, right? Right, right? Or safe vaccines, right? Or safe banking, right? Whenever you hear any politician saying that, that is the code word for I'm going to come totally, It's it's it, uh, do fascistic things, control you. 
Safety is the euphemism for control, power, profit, control. So you, you may remember what about 15, 20 years ago, remember when you had Anderson Consulting colluding with Enron, remember this? Um, some of you may remember uh, there was a big collapse uh, of a very large company called Enron, E-N-R-O-N. And that was because the accounting company auditing them was in collusion with them. So then Congress said, oh, we must protect people, safety. What ended up happening was they put massive reg regulations on these accounting companies. But ultimately, the big accounting companies who did the crime, they just paid a little bit of fines, but it increased the accounting fees, all the small accounting companies. So I, as a small business person, my accounting fees went up by five times. Okay. One example. Another example is Elizabeth Warren and these kinds of people. They promoted something called Dodd-Frank. Oh my God, these big banks are taking advantage of, of the people. Okay. So they pushed all these regulations on the big banks. Well, the United States, the reason the United States economy was so powerful was you have about 12,000 small banks. The average person goes to their local bank. They have a relationship. And, you know, you, that's how you got loans. That's what made the U.S. economy so vibrant. Well, that law under the safety to protect the banking consumer destroyed about 3,000 small banks. Okay. So whenever, so same thing with the vaccines and I'll go to crypto. So John F. Kennedy, who is a reckless individual, to, he's totally made up public relations wise. He was the one who passed the 1962 Kennedy Vaccination Act. He was the one who signed the bill into Congress creating because we wanted safety, right? We wanted to protect our kids. So using that thing, they created all these regulations, a bigger government. It allowed government to go into your body. That was Kennedy. John F. fucking Kennedy did that. And then people were getting injured. And in 1986, his brother, Ted Kennedy, who murdered a woman here, in Massachusetts, created, helped create the law to protect pharma companies, again, on safety, right? And they created more government so you could never sue pharma companies. You cannot sue pharma companies in federal court or state court for vaccine injury. Thank you to Kennedy number two. Wow. Again, use, and everyone needs to understand this. That's called the National Vaccine Injury Program. Then this other fucking creep, booby fucking Kennedy, who I had to do the dirty job of exposing in 2020, right? He manipulates women in many ways to get money from them to support his bullshit nonprofit. Plus, he manipulates women for other reasons, okay? But he is the one, and you can see the video. Go to rfkexposed.com, rfk. He says, open there, I am for vaccines. I am for full vaccination of all Americans. I vaccinated all my kids. And then he rants and raves how corrupt everything is. And you know what he ends with? We need safe vaccines. Okay? So he's not talking about the underlying issue. The 1962 Vaccination Act should be repealed, which is what I would do, and replace it with people boosting immunity. He is still promoting the underlying issue. Government has a right to your body. You see how scummy these guys are now? Come to crypto. Okay, blockchain is a very cool technology, obviously, right? So, obviously, what they want to do is centralize the use of crypto by the few banks again. So, they're going to say, oh, it's unsafe. It's unsafe. We need to regulate it. You follow? And that's the path that they're on. Same shit. But once you understand the system's approach, 
you realize it is not about the technology. It's about power, profit, control. Anytime a new technology comes, anytime, they will preach safety, safety, right. safety, safety. And they, that's the way that they consolidate power back into the four or five companies. And that's and what's that's going exactly on. What they, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's exactly what they did with the whole FTX uh, scandal. Uh, obviously, they utilized and yeah, exactly. They created that. Carry out, they yeah, created carry that out their, their intentions. That's correct. That's right. Correct. They created. So they create the crisis. That's right. To bring in safety. And then they say, we're going to save you now. And then they put more government clause into you. And who does those big government clause serve? The four or five big market makers in that industry. So we have government and the four Wall Street guys who are one in every industry. So in China, that's called state capitalism. In America, it is state capitalism, but they keep this, you know, fake Chinese wall. So industry by industry by industry, why should you have to get, you know, uh, you know, um, whatever you call it? You know, you go to medical school. Why does a medical school have to be get accreditation? You say, oh, we want to protect you from bad medical schools. So the government right. comes in and then they create a few big medical schools, Harvard, Yale, Johns Hopkins. Hey, if I want to go study medicine, I shouldn't have to get accreditation. So well, let me ask you this, because uh, I want to I want Edo to, to, to take a, a couple questions here. I do agree with you because that's the only thing that makes sense with the FTX situation. I don't understand how a guy could be on the cover of Forbes as a new young Warren Buffett worth 30 billion dollars. And then 30 days later, he's saying he has 100 K. It's just it just stinks to hell. Well, his parents, his, and, his, yeah. his parents are out of Stanford. Stanford is yeah, the center yeah. of the fucking CIA. OK, yeah, anything yeah, that originates out of Stanford, particularly it's related. So, look, yeah, they created a crisis so they can now justify CDBCs, why there has to be all this regulation. You say it makes sense. So makes safety. Sense. We need to do yeah. safe crypto. Right. Yeah, we need to protect the customer. So yeah. we, we have to go to that core understanding. Yeah, Edo, go ahead, uh, my friend, with your questions. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, we could see that this pandemic was not about protecting people. I mean, they were saying to people they want to protect them, but by the moment you lock the entire population at home, and you know, that if you guys remember, you could not go out sometimes for a walk. I remember myself, I would go out, I want to exercise, I want to take, for me, something that is very important is to take sunlight. So I like to go out, I, I like to take my vitamin D, I like to take sunlight on the park, I like to remove my shirt on a daily basis. And I was not allowed to go to the park. Like I was in Portugal, I was in Spain, I was in Greece, and in every place, the police would come after you and they would actually give you a fine. And meanwhile, everyone was supposed to be at home, that there was not somehow uh, they, they were not trying to educate people on how to actually create a healthy immune system, which is not that difficult. Uh, first of all, uh, by cutting like things like seed oils and all of the fast food. But actually, they were, if you guys remember, they were incentivizing people to consume fast food, like go take your vaccine and you're going to get free donuts. You know, that's the type of things they were uh, creating. And I think this has also uh, created a trauma to society because when you make everyone to go out with masks, and I think Dr. Shiva might have some greater way to explain what happens to people because I remember uh, back in 2019, he was one of the 
persons that I was watching constantly. Yep. So for me, it's very exciting to have him here. Yeah. So, so basically, when you do this to people, you, you they want to change society, and sometimes the way to cause change is by something uh, uh, somehow creating a trauma. And the way they use it to do this is they they make everybody to use face masks. And when people are using face masks, you can only see the eyes. And that's actually very connected to the, the, the reptilian brain. So you are actually removing empathy for people and you are actually triggering uh, predatory behavior. And you see that has been a change in people that I know before and after the pandemic. They are not the same uh, person anymore. I mean, I personally, by doing everything I was doing, I lost I lost friends. I Sometimes I even got uh, problems in my own family because they were saying, oh, he must be out of his mind that he decides to go out of the house, the, the house right now. He's going to put everyone in danger. So they create this uh, constant stress on the immune system of people, but in the same way, they're not trying to educate people on how to build a health immune system with perhaps... Uh, can look mirror ourselves in the individuals who are living up to 100 years old, 110 years old. They are getting access to minerals. They are taking sunlight. They are having daily walks, social contact. Uh, they surely are not washing their hands 20 times a day uh, with uh, this type of products uh, that they are supposed to, hey John, to be for our safety, like Dr. Shiva said before. So I would like to ask Dr. Shiva, what are your thoughts about locking everyone on this way? Do you think this has somehow changed society as we seen? Do you think they really created a trauma out of that? Yeah, so, Ido, if you go back to 2019 and 2020, just to give people the context, in 2019, I was invited to give the prestige lecture at the National Science Foundation on the immune system. It's a pretty big honor. 20, early, January 2019, I ran one of the biggest demonstrations against the vaccine mandates. January 6th, when the, when the quote unquote, the pandemic hit here, um, we were the first ones to start running campaigns against the lockdowns. And if you go look at that point, Ido and everyone listening, you will see that I started doing, a, I did a video educating people on the immune system and it was called Beyond Vax and Anti-Vax, that you have to boost the immune system resilience. And then we educated people. I got a call from a White House economist saying, Dr. Shiva, thank you so much for your video. Trump is not listening to us. Please do more videos. And I must have done, man, I probably got very little sleep, three to three to four videos a night educating people on the immune system. At that wow. time, I did a video called Loneliness is a Molecule. The research done by the work of, you know, some of the work I'd done and uh, work of uh, Stephen Cole showing that when you isolate people, what it does to, to physiological functions in your body. No one else was doing this. And we told people why it's important to get vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C. We gave people protocols, massive education. And in March of 2020, when the lockdowns came, I was the first one to speak out against it. And this is why this is so important to everyone listening. A policy that is made by these idiots literally affects your biology. So literally, if you want to draw two boxes, policy your biology, policy, biology. You pass a law to tell people to do lockdowns, it affected people's literal biology. Robert okay. fucking Kennedy killed people by promoting lockdowns. Millions of people. 
Booby Kennedy to, did that. Not to mention young, not to mention as many uh, all the young people who. I mean, I think uh, suicide was at an all-time high with young yes, people. Yes, but antidepressants. And we did video after video after video showing people the cycle of what fear does, um, the system's dynamic. And we saved millions of people's lives. And that is why we live in a very important time. People have to ask, who do you want leading you? Do you want scumbags who come from them? Who are basically everything that they come out of their mouth, even if they say something good, when did they say something good? When? They didn't say it when it mattered. They waited a year later. All these moronic doctors now writing books. They were all promoting lockdowns in 2020. And now, two years later, they're talking about it. I'm sorry. You don't get any trophies for that. You fucked up in 2020. You were silent. You were part of it. So we need to become very critical of these people and not give them an inch because when we do that, we shoot ourselves in our heads. And you have to look at people who did the work and who fought for people at the right time. But when it comes to lockdowns, I did a video on this. You may have seen the swarm video. I did a follow-up called Policy to Biology. If you look at your immune system, there are many different aspects of your immune system. One of the things is called mitochondrial respiration. Your body needs to be able to breathe at the cellular level. When it does, it creates NAD+, a very important molecule. You need autophagy, which is your body cleansing itself, getting rid of all the dead cells, okay? And there are particular genes which get up, you're upregulated. Your body needs to not have oxidative stress where it rusts. Your body should not be having, you know, uh, unhealthy inflammation. So just take, and these are molecular pathways. You know, I just wrote a very important paper, which we got published on aging. Those four molecular pathways are totally the same pathways that are important to a healthy immune system. When they told people to lock down, when Booby fucking Kennedy said, oh, yeah, it's good to get locked down. It's going to stop the spread of COVID and help climate change. And Trump did that. They killed people because that policy directly downregulated NAD+. It hurt mitochondrial respiration. It upregulated up reactive oxygen species. It downregulated, you know, the autophagy genes and so on. Policy affects biology. They did this by design. And you can go after policy, after policy, after policy. For the last 70 years, the income inequality has been excessively growing among working people. We have two American pies. Income inequality creates massive stress among people, families, relationships. Then you go into the toxins in the environment. So it's not any one thing. For the last 70 years, the swarm, the left and the right, by design, has been killing people. And if you look at this graph that I have here, that red line represents the U.S. life expectancy going down. And the rest of the world wow. is going to follow that. Right? So that's why our campaign says the lesser of two evils is killing your children. So if, you're, li if you're listening to this, you know, Alex Jones, another fucking dumb fuck entertainer, he just promoted Trump. You know why? And David Knight told me this who was his former colleague, you left. Alex Jones knows Trump's full of shit, but he makes so much money from the MAGA people selling his shit. So this is called the lesser of two evils. Oh, nobody's perfect. You see, this kind of shit is why we keep getting the, this curve, and that's where it's headed. We need a systems overhaul. The, the, uh, the uh, pamphlet or whatever that you held up just moments ago about the, the mask and the face. Can you, can you explain that? You held it up while Edo was looking down. Can yeah. Yeah. So, so remember, so 
you know, my research, I'm a, a systems biologist, among many other things, right? So in 2019, I ran a conference on masks. And we ran an immune health conference here. A thousand people showed up in 2019. All right. So I did the entire analysis of the molecular systems of the mouth. And we mapped it out. We just got that paper published. But we did the white paper and we showed that when you put a mask on, it affects the pH of your mouth. And That's you kill the yeah. good bacteria and the bad bacteria proliferate. And if you're a child, your microbiome, the mouth bacteria is like a jungle is just forming. Based on how that jungle forms, it affects every different disease in your body. So we put that paper out. We educated people on this. And then we taught people how to sue their local governments. Truth. The reason I ask that is because um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of things that were published about people's uh, mouths or, or teeth being destroyed. Yeah, the, the, mask the mouth. That's, yeah, mask mouth. There you go. Yeah, and that crazy. came from our paper. Okay. Wow. And that came from our work. People, we let people replicate it. We open sourced it, and we also would take that paper into school committee hearings. And and the law is if you knowingly do something that can harm kids and you even if they may harm them, you can sue that a government official in their personal capacity. We scared the shit wow. out of a lot of people with that. But that's what we were doing. Why this guy Vivek the snake was promoting mask mandates. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. And and I have I have one thing. Edo, you have you sent me a couple of questions that I thought were incredible for Dr. Shiva. And uh, are you able to share some of those things that you sent me on on WhatsApp in regards to your questions? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there is a very interesting question. It's a, a quite a bit uh, different topic for Dr. Shiva. He might have the answer. He might not have the answer, but I would love to ask him this question. And I think everyone uh, wants to know this question. And first, let me tell you, Dr. Shiva, I have the Bitcoin profile picture, but I'm not very much a Bitcoin enthusiast. And I would like uh, to ask you the following question. Who do you believe is behind Bitcoin? Do you really be believe that Satoshi Nakamoto is just an unknown person that has created it out of thin air? Or do you think there is something deeper behind Bitcoin? I think there's something bigger, you know? None of this stuff. Look, um, everyone you see on stage, everything that proliferates does not happen without the approval of the establishment. In my view, Bitcoin was a beta test, Okay to see would people adopt it oh, and wow. right. They wanted to beta test it, right? Uh, the elites always like testing stuff. It's a beta test. Well, people liked adopting it. And the goal is now, okay, people are willing to use digital currency, but the idea is that they will own it now and they will make sure it's centralized into a few central banks. There's no way one guy did this. I don't think so. <laughs> Things don't get out that fast unless the elites want to get it out. I've got to ask a question on top of that, Edo, um, Dr. Shiba. There, there is a, a company that's uh, got incredible technology that we're very, very passionate about, Edo and myself, as well as many of the people that will watch this. That, that company is out of San Francisco, California. Uh, they were um, uh, put into a lawsuit by the SEC back in uh, uh, two and a half years ago, back in what, 2020. That company is called Ripple, and the innovation uh, uh, of what they're doing is with XRP and the XRP Ledger. Uh, it's something that's uh, where you can basically transfer money uh, across border payments in a matter of seconds, three seconds to be exact. They've tested it with, you know, $750 million in, in three seconds, various things like that. 
that's that's where a lot of us are frustrated because you have these things that the old systems of, of how banking institutions used to do things with SWIFT or how, you know, you go to Western Union and, you know, they want everything under the sun as far as your identity to send, you know, uh, $1,000 to someone in, in Africa that might get it, you know, hours or days later. Uh, so this this is, they really have a amazing, uh, um, what I would say, um, solution to that problem. Uh, I don't know if you follow Ripple. Uh, Edo, I don't know if you want to make a comment on that, but that's something that uh, we as Americans, an American company that, have now stopped hiring in America, which which creates jobs. They've gone out of the country now where they're building uh, all over the world uh, because of what the SEC is doing to them. And yet they became victorious. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, J uh, July 13, 2023, sir, uh, they have been deemed the only non-security uh, legal digital asset on the planet. Uh, meanwhile, the SEC, instead of protecting the people, utilized FTX to say, you know what? Uh, we're doing this for the people, but in all actuality, they had a hidden agenda. Meanwhile, all these politicians' pockets are getting fat. They make what six figures a year, uh, maybe two, three, uh, one to two hundred thousand dollars as far as their their uh, uh, their salaries. Yet they're worth a hundred, two hundred, three hundred million dollars. So I just think that a lot of the stuff that's going on right now is exposing the corruption. I, I believe in what you said that this is all about control. Uh, there's a gentleman that came out right now, and I don't want to do too much at you, who's kind of whistleblowing the whole uh, situation. His name is uh, Stephen. Uh, um, Narrow and right now he's saying it's not an attack on crypto. He goes, crypto is the prize. So, so they're fooling you guys. They got you looking left while while, while they're doing things on the right, uh, which is just trying to control the system. So, Edo, I don't know if you want to add to that, but that's really where our passion is, sir. And that is uh, to stop financial slavery. Not not a race, but I say all people are being a slave by our governments right now, and, and we're tired of it. And, yeah, uh, yeah and, uh, I, I think the yeah. key thing is it's not going to be any one thing they do. Remember, this is a systems approach. It's a right. three part thing. It's the centralization of digital currency, the carbon tax, and the social media censorship. If you look at Elon Musk, he loves all this shit, okay? He loves Greta Thornburg, okay? He's into crypto, right? And he, he runs the biggest, I mean, Twitter is the, the political platform. Facebook is not for politics, but Twitter is. And he brought in a woman from the WEF to run it, all right? So that's what we have to get clear. It's this three-part. And by the way, you can look this up about two months ago. I think I was the first one who brought this out there. It was a very, very small story. A company which is going to run the exchange or the infrastructure between uh, digital currency and carbon tax got funded about $2 billion. Very small company. You see, so all these three need to come together. The centralized digital banking currency and the carbon tax and the censorship. They've pretty much done censorship thanks to Trump, okay? The other two right. pieces will come together. And then this device and all, we'll, we'll basically be in a financial digital cage. And that's where this right. is going. So the only way out of this is we have to build a movement. Technology is not the solution. We have to build a broad, deep movement that understands the system dynamics. And frankly, when the time is right, we have to seize the means of production. Well, I apologize because I keep forgetting to hit the, the mic on button on Twitter spaces. So a lot of people may not have heard uh, my questions to Dr. Shiva, but uh, Edo, take it away. I know you've got a couple of things you want to do uh, as we close out. Absolutely. So one thing I would like to discuss with Dr. Shiva uh, is I'm, not sh I, I'm sure he's aware that uh, before the pandemic, there has been an event which was called Event 201. Yeah, which was organized by the World Economic Forum, where they made 
kind of a scenario about a pandemic that would take place with a coronavirus. So that's very a very big coincidence, you know. And afterwards, uh, they have actually done a very similar event uh, that now is called the Cyber Polygon. So there is also videos of the World Economic Forum uh, confirming that they are planning to do a, that's not that they are planning to do, but that there will take place a global reset. So uh, I think it's somehow they are trying to migrate people to the new digital economy. So there is also uh, many cofactors. We see that uh, artificial intelligence is causing uh, thousands of people to lose their jobs. And I think it's going to uh, increase the, the amount of people who are going to lose their jobs in the next 10 years or five years, let's say, even faster than that. So how do you think they could organize, orchest orchestrate, because we know that these people sometimes they really announce what they are up to. So how do you think some something like a cyber polygon attack would take place and uh, people could perhaps uh, get their bank account seized or something even worse, which would be an attack directly to the supply chain management. And you know, this would have really big consequences for everybody. Yeah, I mean, going back to event 2.01, that was, I think it was like in October, right? It was literally 2019. In November, I was giving that talk on the immune system. But they, you know, it was literally a scenario, right? They do game theory. They do war games. At a broad level, everyone needs to understand, um, you can take courses at the graduate school level called game theory. And what game theory is, they literally map out different scenarios Okay, if this occurs, this will occur, and then this will occur, then this will occur. And you assign probabilistic weights and you calculate what's called the expected value, okay? Um, this is what the elites learn to do. So they have all different scenarios ma mapped out, all the potential things that could damage them. So, and the things that could profit them, okay? So when they did event 2.01, they realized, wow, this is a pretty cool thing. We can do this and this and this, and we can shut down, we can you know, raped the United States of 16 trillion. So that was a big payday for them. And they made sure 600 billionaires increased their wealth by $2.1 trillion, right? But they created the crisis. I think when you look at the, you know, the cyber polygon model, they're going to follow it, the same model, right? Because the more you can create a condition in which people say, yes, impose this thing on me. Um, and this thing, in this case, um, you know, is going to be, yes, give me centralized digital currency, right? Because I need the protection of central banks. That's what I think it's ultimately going to lead to because they need to create that crisis situation. FTX in many ways was sort of a step one in that direction. And step two, if you look at the economy where it's going right now, um, if you look right now, um, one thesis is typically, um, there's two different arguments going on that the economy will keep going up until October uh, 2024, uh, sorry, uh, end of 2020, and there'll be massive chaos. Another thesis oh. says that there's going to be a downturn in the next 30, 40, 60 days, and then they'll crash things and they'll do quantitative easing again, okay? Wow. Another, quant you know, like Trump did with the V, okay? And they'll, it's almost like you're milking a cow. Obama milked it once, right? and they saved all their friends. Trump milked it again, saved all of his friends, right? They'll do one last milking, which will be a downturn, and then it goes up, and then they crash everything. 
And that fine. So if, if the economy is $33 trillion, right? Sorry, the US is $33 trillion in debt. The next thing we may take it to 40 to $50 trillion in debt. And that will be the basis of this view. Wow, we must go to digital currency. So I haven't seen the data on that, Ito, what their scenarios that they planned, but that's probably the scenario. You want to create enough chaos so then people are forced to accept digital currency. Wow. Yeah, that's astonishing. Yeah, great insights. Great insights. Yeah, because I think they will, they, I, I am sure they will, uh, well, they already do it with the Federal Reserve, but they, that's, that will be the ultimate weaponization of central bank digital currencies. I think it's a very similar, uh, I forgot to unmute myself on X one second. Uh, I think it's a very similar model to what they do in China right now. Yeah, China, look, I think the biggest thing, it's a very important point we need to realize here, and I've shared this, don't think about these guys like they're fighting against, oh my God, BRICS versus the US. Please let all that go. We have to recognize that a swarm of people, and everyone should watch the swarm video. You guys should put a link to it. John will send it to you. But the swarm is a multiracial, decentralized, you know, international group of people who communicate telepathically among the 100 university uh, presidents to the top 2,000 people. They're, they're a swarm. It's not any one person. All these idiots thinking, oh, it's this person, that person. No, they're a swarm of people. And that swarm is in BRICS and it's in non-BRICS. BRICS, by the way, was created by JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. So you have to start considering the world as a neighborhood. It has, and what they can do is they can take elements of that neighborhood. They can, you know, like people do in every major city, they pump drugs into a neighborhood, they tr pump tr crime, and it's, and it's got good buildings, good real estate, and the real estate drops. And then the developers come and buy it for one cents on the dollar and they boost it, right? This is their game. So from their standpoint, when you step back and look at this, the world is this neighborhood. Let's fuck with the U.S. over here. And by the way, Putin's, all of these guys are all part of it, okay? Don't view them as, don't get lost into the game. Oh, this thug is better than this thug. They all hate the working people of the world. So right. they may downturn the U.S., collapse certain economies, move money into emerging markets like BRICS, right? Grow that because they can buy things on a song, get, I don't know, 300% growth there. And then you come back to the U.S. and you buy things on penny on the dollar. You see, you have to view this as a global scam. And the people right. who suffer are working people. That's right. And that's And once we realize that, you start realizing how do we win? And I want to talk about that because we can talk about how they're going to fuck us. But how do we win? Number one, you need to understand the system's dynamics. And it took me 50 years to do that. So the solution, one thing I want to recommend people, I don't know if we can play a video, but people should go to truthfreedomhealth.com and understand that it, I've taken 50 years of my life to really understand. I used to educate this at MIT to, to the best people. But if you don't understand system science, that one leg of the stool, you're never going to understand why Kennedy and Trump and Tulsi Gabbard or whoever they put, you know, Maloney, right, in Italy, they always come up with these people to talk the populist game. If they're getting visibility on media, they're one of the swarm. I need to understand. Which, which, which video are you referring to, sir? Uh, John, uh, so there's a video. If you go to truthfreedomhealth.com, 
I'm, I'm here, and it's on. It's, we're we're live on YouTube, by the way. So on my YouTube channel, which is called Crypto for Life, there's uh, two videos that I'm showing. One is Shattered the Swore. Yeah, both of those are very powerful. Educated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the other one is Get Educated, Be Enslaved. That yeah, video. Yeah, so they can see that live. They can see that live right now. Okay, they can. If people can go watch that, but you should watch Get Educated because the solution is the elites know the science of systems. This is why ten thousand people are controlling eight billion people. George Soros is a theoretician in system science. He wrote the re reflexivity theory, okay? So, you know, I used to teach all this stuff at MIT. So I've taken all that knowledge and made it accessible for everyone. And you can educate your children on it. But with the, it, people should learn system science long before they learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's number one. You know, out my running for president, and, you know, by the way, globally, people can go, go get this bumper sticker. It says, shatter the swarm. Because... And in this flyer that we have, you hand it out, people can get the QR code, but in 15 minutes, people can understand the systems dynamics of the elites. It's free. People should go learn this stuff. Because unless you understand who the enemy is and how they're using system science, and you think you're going to fight them voting for any one of these fucking idiots, you're fucked. The future is you. The future is us collectively organizing bottoms up. And when you get to that point, you have to recognize that there is a science to building a movement. And without that science, you're very naive to think you're going to go build an airplane without understanding Bernoulli's principle. You're not going to be able to build a motor without understanding Maxwell's equations. You're not going to be able to build a movement without understanding the science that I've uncovered. And anyone can learn it. You don't have to be a nerd. You don't have to be have four degrees from MIT. Um, the elites learn it. So the future is we understand this dynamic and this is why I am unequivocal on exposing these scumbags. And right now, this is the age of scumbags. Russell Brand is a vile scumbag. Don't have any sympathy for him. He was created by them. He always was a vile scumbag. By the way, the swarm always promote, promotes vile scumbags because they have shit on them. If they get out of line, you know, then they, quote unquote, attack them. But when they attack them, they drive more views to those vile scumbags. And you feel far, sorry for these guys. You see, they have it down to a science. The future is you. And that's why, you know, the things I recommend people do is if you're in the United States, you know, go get one of these bumper stickers. Go to Schaefer for president. Why do I say that? Because when you put this on your car, 100,000 people see it. You can't get that attention on social media. Everyone, well, should, wanna... everyone should go yeah. to Schaefer. Get this flyer printed on black and white printers. Hand it out to your friends. Educate them on what's happening to life expectancy. Because that's something very real to people that their fact that their children right now are going to have a shorter lifespan. And they will realize the way we got there is a systems problem. And we need a systems overhaul. Right. I agree. And uh, Edo, uh, if you would like to, to do uh, have like the last um, comments before we leave, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go over a couple of things here real quick. I do have you up uh, for those of you guys who are listening on Twitter space. And those of you guys who are catching this live right now, uh, go to Crypto for Life uh, with 6AJ. You can find our, um, our uh, on my Twitter page as well, which is a James underscore 6AJ. You'll find the live right here with Dr. Shiva. Dr. Shiva, this has been refreshing for me. As I close out my thoughts, uh, I have you up uh, with your videos here. I also uh, took a look at your Twitter page, and I was very excited as I saw this. Uh, it says August uh, 30th, 2019. Uh, it shows you on the cover of Forbes, I'm sorry, the cover of Time Magazine, the man who invented email. Then it goes back and shows a picture of you, a young 14 
Dr. Sheba and with the certificate of copyright registration of what you actually done. And that, that to me is astounding to actually be able to see this along with the uh, site. So, uh, I mean, just kudos for everything that you've done. Um, I'm looking here in the live chat. There's a lot of people who say uh, they've already got your uh, <laughs> they've already got your bumper sticker on their car. Uh, so uh, yeah, get the bumper stickers out in, in Greece. Yeah. By the way, yeah. no, no, seriously, you guys should get the shatter of the swarm because I did an interview with the Greece guy. This logo should go everywhere. We have to shatter these guys. And the thing is, they're very, very vulnerable right now. If you look, they're very desperate. They don't know who to push. They they found this other brown faced guy, Vivek the Snake, complete fucking scumbag. That was a psyop. Right. And we destroyed him. Kennedy, we got to expose him. He's part of the whole shit. Watch, mark my words. They're going to put Tulsi Gabbard and Kennedy together to run as independents. Tulsi Gabbard runs the PSYOP unit in the army. I mean, you ever hear her talk? And this woman sounds like a ro fucking robot. Okay? So they don't know who to push. Okay, they're going to try to find whoever can manipulate the people back into them. And watch, and you have to go look at what did they do in March of 2020. That's a litmus right. test. And you have to be very careful who you choose your, as your leaders. And my view is, I'm just a catalyst. Go to Truth, Freedom, and Health. Understand that you have to be a leader now. You have to become the heroes. And we have to understand this dynamic of manipulation. Otherwise, you're a fool. And I remember our leaders reflect our consciousness. You got to raise your consciousness to understand and one person who understands this becomes a significant force. I love it. Yep. I love it. Where can they find this information, sir? Uh, to get bump and stickers and everything. Number else. one, go to Shiva numeral four president.com. Okay? okay. Number perfect. two, go to truthfreedomhealth.com, become a warrior scholar. And okay. you notice I haven't asked for any money, which all these candidates do. If people donate to us, we give them information, we give them knowledge, we give them the courses. The mission of this campaign is to create a change in consciousness. And Let me ask you a question. Uh, Edo, Edo asked me a question earlier, and uh, just before we got on uh, uh, the line, would you be open to uh, accepting uh, contributions to your campaign and let's say something like uh, Lightning Fast XRP? Yeah, let's do it. Let's figure, help let's us implement it. it. So, yeah. so, so maybe, maybe, maybe we can get Edo and I to set up, uh, maybe uh, help you get some things, or, or John that you keep talking to, set up a wallet. Uh, me and yeah, Edo help, help like us set it up so people, if they want to donate that way, they can. I mean, if you guys can, Edo, and we're just so busy, Edo, if you guys want to help us do the implementation, let's do it. I'd be one of the first ones to donate. I've done very well for myself. I've been in crypto since 2017, and so I don't mind donating to someone uh, who has such a phenomenal vision as you do, sir. So it's been an honor. Edo, take it away. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Dr. Shiva has a great opportunity here to accept XRP donations. We know that I think Kennedy was accepting Bitcoin donations, you know, so right. XRP is way faster than that. And the transaction fees are also uh, lower. So in the end of the day, it's just a win-win situation. Let's I do it. Be very happy to Let's do it because, you know, the opportunity we're doing in the States running for president, that's on Shiva for president. But a lot of people outside of the United States, they can't donate to U.S. campaign, but they can contribute to our movement, which is global, okay? And we have people uh, asking about that. So let's do both. So, John, well, um, set up James, you know, James and Ito, set up time with Heather. Yeah. James, you know Heather, right? And Ito, set up time so we can do a follow-up, but let's just implement it. I mean, if and you I guys... Say this, I, say this, I say this kindly, sir. I think if you let people know that that's an option, especially those... Right now, crypto is one of the biggest 
things being embraced around the world. And if people know that uh, you're open to that, especially with the fastest way to send money in the world, it's not Bitcoin, it's XRP. I think uh, us promoting that and those of us who uh, love what you're doing, promoting it, I think you're going to see uh, an influx of. Uh, OK, let's just do it. I mean, look, yeah. my view is let's do it. You know, mm -hmm. let's not waste time. Um, All right, we'll give it. you access to our guys don't know anything about this. But if you guys have the engineers to help them, let's just do it. I'm, I'm with it, Edo. Completely in love right, guys. ideas. Your final thoughts, Edo, for Dr. Shiva? So my final thoughts is that I agree with mostly everything he said. And I think right now is a very important moment for everybody on this planet. I mean, we are just going, we talk very often about this, James, that the world is changing. We are moving towards a new economy. Uh, and I don't like to see this in a negative way or in a positive way, because with that comes also several opportunities. You know, when there's a change, it's like a there is a counterfeit, you know. If something happens uh, too extremely in one side, you can be sure that the universe works in a way that there will be a counterfeit in the other direction. So if we are moving towards something like central bank digital currencies, which is a way sometimes to control individuals, I'm sure there will be a counterfeit movement. So we now have uh, the opportunity to come together as a community, like Dr. Shiva said before. And I think it's about taking responsibility for ourselves. I mean, take responsibility for our finances to not depend on the government. Take responsibility for our health. Take responsibility for our decisions to, to not afterwards blame on the government because we are human beings in the end of the day, we are free. So we, right. we have to use this power so that we're going to benefit and live our lives at the most in the next years. I think there is a huge transformation coming, but I am very optimistic that if we come together as an, uh, a strong community, we can build amazing things for the next years. And for me, Dr. Shu, my final thoughts is, you know, um, uh, my name is James. Again, my, my handle is 68J. I'm an ex-professional basketball player, 52 years old. Been in business oh, really? in California. For, who, who'd you play for? In California. James, who do you? Uh, who'd Puerto, you? Rico, oh, Puerto Rico. And then all, pretty much all the celebrity games up until the 2017 uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta. That was when I realized I was a little too old to keep playing. But uh, uh -huh. So I've been a business, business, business owner for 25 years. We've owned so many different businesses. Got into crypto in 17. And the thing that I represent, sir, from Brooklyn, New York, and a guy who was on welfare when he was coming up as a young man, is I believe that digital assets, cryptocurrency uh, uh, specifically gives gives people the opportunity to dream again. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to show people that they can dream again. A, a person like myself that got in at 17 and was able to create millions of dollars and change me and my wife and many of my family's lifestyle from this industry. Uh, let me just say thank you very much for all that you're doing. Thank you for uh, not only who you are now, but as that young 14-year-old kid to, that, that makes us realize that we can dream at any age. It's never too late. And I think that's what I'm, I'm really setting up for is, is ending financial slavery and getting behind someone that's for the people. And so, sir, with that being said, I definitely appreciate you, uh, respect you, and um, thank you very much for being on this uh, platform. Thanks, Ito. Thanks, James. Thanks for your kind words. Remember, innovation can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. You don't have to go to MIT and all these places. That's a very centralized model of defining what it means to be a human being. And that's what they want to do. You know, they want to make uh, the centralization of what it means to be human. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you. Very nice. Thank, thank you so much. And yeah. Dr. Shiva, all I can say to you is keep doing your work. And you are a person that really inspired me to become who I am today. So thank that's you. That's great, man. Be well. Yeah, let's let's do this. Get in touch with Heather and let's do a follow up.
Thank you. All right. We're going to have a follow up. Thank Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, that was our meeting with some two great guys from the crypto world. Um, I hope that conversation helped you. But look, we take a very, very different approach to crypto. It's to recognize that um, while technology is there, ultimately, we have to build a movement. And without these movements, technology will always be misused because the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure today is still owned by the elites. All right. So it is my view that we have to build a movement, raise consciousness And that consciousness raising will ultimately lead to its natural conclusion if it's raised where we as people need to own these means of production, that we have to run these means of production because there are forces and tools that cannot be centralized by a few. And even though the decentralization tools exist, the elites are very, very clever at centralizing these tools. So those of you listening, remember every Thursdays, every Thursdays we do a open house where all of you are invited. Go to vashiva.com slash orientation, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. this Thursday. So do that. Again, go get one of these bumper stickers. It's a simple way you can contribute to everything we're doing and, and put it on the back of your car. This is for the United States, and this is for globally, Shatter the Swarm, all right? Because you cannot donate to a U.S. Senate or U.S. campaign. But if you want to support the, the movement, go here. And then finally... Go to Shiva for president, download one of these flyers. And it's about educating your neighbors. So this is a way you can be an overnight activist. Download it, print it. You don't have to print it in color, print it in black and white. But this is about you. And if you want, and we highly recommend people because I've made the entire infrastructure available to everyone, become a truth, freedom and health warrior so you can become an agent of change in your community and fundamentally change the world. The world does not need followers. It needs people to lead. But if you're going to lead a movement, for God's sakes, understand the science of what it takes. It took me 50 years to put this together. So take advantage of it so you don't waste 20 years of your life following one fool or another fool. You are the agent of change. So let me play this video. um, And thank you. And I'll come back to say goodbye. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom, and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left-wing, right-wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. We got to train people first with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. 
And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics, and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. We're building a bottoms up movement. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com.